this stadium. Kansas City did not have a first down in the third quarter. They had just six yards. The Titans had the ball for nearly 11 minutes. Henry ripping through. Henry inside the 20. Henry inside the five. Touchdown, Tennessee. Brian takes a snap. Fakes it to Freeman. Back foot throw. Loops it. Jones the catch. Touchdown, Atlanta. Peterman from the gun. Here we go. Pass. Tip. And intercepted by Ramsey to close it out. Took over seven and a half minutes off the clock. Got no points. Now second and ten for New Orleans. Down the middle. Deep. Ginn. Caught. Inside the 30, the former Panther. Touchdown, New Orleans. Welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast, brought to you in association with the 42.ie. I'm Mark Cockrell, a nervous-looking Patriots fan for the weekend, and I'm joined, as always, by Brian O'Leary, waiting on his new head coach as a Giants fan. Good evening, Mark. Good evening. And Gordon Bridgefield, equally slightly nervous, hopefully, about the Pittsburgh Steelers' chances of the weekend. Mark, how are you getting on? Not too bad, Gordo. Look, introducing us this week was a montage of all the various um, wildcard key touchdowns that came out. Some interesting wildcard games, some diabolically boring and horrendous wildcard games, as always. But, gents, I don't think we can start the show without giving due acknowledgement right up front to the surprise of the weekend, the Tennessee Titans. Um, it's one of those moments where, uh, you know, the old poem about uh, all around the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. That was, that was what Arrowhead Stadium sounded like towards the end. Complete and absolute silence. Um, I have to admit, I didn't see it coming, but there was a moment on Saturday afternoon where Adam Schefter texted out the, oh, of course, remember that Kansas City haven't won a home playoff game since 1994 and Joe Montana, 1993 and Joe Montana, and you kind of went, Christ, it's Kansas City. They always find a way to mess it up. It's Andy Reid in a playoff game. He always finds a way to mess it up. And Brian, surprise, surprise, they found a way to mess it up. Yeah, you certainly couldn't couldn't see that coming in the first half. No. 21-3 at halftime. Chiefs seemed to be moving the ball well enough. I wouldn't say they were great in their offense, really, but enough to think that they would continue that in the second half. They had a kind of a two-minute drill towards the end of the first half, which a touchdown was made at 21-3, and you thought, okay, that really is it now. The yeah. Titans are gone. And uh, Some dubious plays in the first half in terms of decisions by the referees. I mean, the three points in which the Titans got, I don't believe they really should have got. Mariota was coming back after taking a snap and then he was sacked the ball came loose Chiefs recover and then it, it was called as forward progress Jeff Jeff Triplett has form in this though I remember him calling it actually Gordo might remember as well regular season game Pats uh, Steelers last year Trey Flowers uh, turned over the ball and it was called I oh, know the quarterback's forward progress it's the first time I'd heard it and there he goes again now since retired Jeff Triplett we should say which is there was one in the thing. there was one in the uh, championship game when the Niners played the Giants and Eli Manning was called as forward progress because he, he fumbled that's the ball. right yeah so there was but, the um, other instance. that one was a little bit more because he was slightly moving forward was that was that Triplett as well that would be high, kind of funny if I it can't recall which referee <laughs> it was but Mariotta was clearly going back there was no way there was any forward progress and those three points <coughs> ultimately came back 
Now, but, what he did say was his forward progress had stopped and that therefore he was in the clutches and that's why was, he blew the whistle. But I, I, I agree, it shouldn't have stopped. No, because uh, that came down as a fumble for that game is, and that's what everyone is calling it as. Is it should have been a fumble. Yes, um, but they took a field goal off because it wasn't a fumble. That The next play was a field goal. Well, I think attempt. one of the big... Although this was an awful game, as in yeah. a really awful game to watch. I remember the first half, I think I texted you all saying, this could be a very high-scoring game because it was 14-0 at one stage. And next thing... Just, I don't know what happened. But the one thing I will say about this game is, and I've seen a lot of commentators online about it, the refereeing of it was awful. I was oh, no, but that's, that's the thing. We're talking about the triplet decision there. But even on the Kelsey concussion, yeah. Kelsey was clearly knocked out. I mean, he was gone type of thing. But he lose, lost possession of the ball and he hadn't been touched. So when the defender picked it up and it was no longer in his control, if a player is unconscious and he still has possession, of course, as soon as he's touched, you try and take the ball away, he's deemed down. But that arguably should have been a fumble recovered. It was constantly, yeah. I mean, this all star cast of taking players from different uh, referees and linesmen from different crews clearly doesn't didn't work, work in that game. Doesn't clearly work. doesn't but work. But the rumor is now that the head referee from that game is retiring. Oh, he has. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Triple has yeah. retired. Has he has already, retired. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there was a moment for half time where there was a, a flag on, I think it was probably from a kickoff or a punt return, and the play had moved so far away from him, but there was a flag, and he had to make. He had to run the distance to figure out what the... Yeah, he looked like the slowest man I've ever seen in my life. He couldn't move. It was ridiculous. But but the big thing was the the Mariota touchdown to himself. On that play, he said that the... um, He messed up the He's an eligible uh, receiver because he was in the shotgun formation when... If any defender bats it on, everyone is eligible. Exactly. Yeah. And it was just like, how do you make those sort of mistakes? It was simple mistakes like that that he seemed to be making I, I had a quite little a lot. bit of empathy on that because he's half right. If a, a quarterback can only be an eligible receiver if he's in shotgun. But you're absolutely right, Gordo. If the defender batted it down, if an O-lineman caught it, he can run and advance the ball. It is it is just, uh, but just annoying. Gonna, but, but you're kind of wondering if he's making those sort of decisions, what could he... But anyway, it was an yeah. awful game regardless. I, I, well, no, I was going to say, I disagree that it was an awful game uh, because it was exciting in the sense that you had this tension of are the Chiefs going to throw it away? Are the Titans going to take it? You know, that obviously the any close game, there's always a little bit of drama towards the end. And I must I, say, Derek Henry deserves a lot of credit here. 154 yards, lots in the second half, real kind of beast mode entitlement fair play for Tennessee for staying with the run game like I mean is Doug Marone's calling card in one respect so um no not Doug, Doug Marone sorry yeah Mike Malarkey's calling card in one respect so you know it's good that they stuck with that um but Mariota as well deserves that catch obviously off his own throw is bizarre enough in itself first time well, he, that's was alert, a, he was alert enough to alert enough to take it and he's jumped and he's dived and touched the pylon before the defense have even moved. Like Darrell Brevis, with all of his experience, is the guy that batted down and he stands there and watches it like he stood there and watched the third and ten run at the yeah, end by Derek Henry. He didn't fancy that game. He whatsoever. made yet another business decision, I would yeah. say. Um, now, I think one of the big things for me for watching that whole game was the Tennessee Titans run defense. The first, the first kind of, I think, opening couple of drives, it looked quite poor. And, and I think then defensive coordinator and his name is, has escaped me. Uh, oh, Dick Dick Lebeau. Dick Lebeau. Thank Dick Lebeau, you. the 18 Dick year old Lebeau. But Hall of Fame legend. Th- there was a moment after, I think it was after that second touchdown, there was a couple of drives, a couple of rushing touchdowns. He pulled the entire team together on the sideline. Uh, the, the entire defense said, What are we doing? As in, this is ridiculous. And then you look at the stats then for the end of the game, the rushing yards was 202 for Titans and then uh, 69 for Kansas but, City. But, Kansas City didn't run the ball. They didn't run the ball, but also Dick LeBeau's defense stood up after those two touchdowns. They really came to the front, and uh, it, was, it was really impressive to they see. They only gave the ball to Kareem Hunt four times in the second half. Five. Yeah. But five. Yeah, five. yeah, but, but five. again, uh, that, that's 
fundamentally wrong. You've just lost Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Yes, they might be loading up against a run, but he has proved it all season. He's the leading rusher uh, on a rookie basis for the season. Just give him the ball. Wind down the clock. You had an 18-point lead. And Andy Reid tried to do him a solid, uh, Matt Nagy, because at the end of the game, Andy Reid said, yeah, we shared the play-calling duties. I called all the bad plays. He called all the good ones, which you kind of well, he tip your he, hat. He, he, he knew he was going to be getting a head coach and all. And he's going to the Chicago Bears. And I, I tweeted, uh, annoyed a couple of Chicagoans, I think. And I said, like, you might want to introduce him to Tariq Cohen and Jerron Howard very quickly and just say he was last seen ignoring running backs. I know we're going to discuss the coaching carousel very shortly, but uh, I have so was taken back by that decision. The Bears brought him in on Sunday, the day after he just lost a game. Um, and he got out of the building and then within three hours they said come back to the building you're our new head coach it, the timing stinks uh, a little it, bit it just, in relation to it it's very very strange timing but look I mean very weird game in some respects uh, 20 years since we had a t- uh, quarterback catch their own pass for a touchdown Brad Childress with Minnesota of all the, Bad, the Brad Childress as in baldy head glasses yeah yeah uh, oh, so I saw that oh, I saw that stat and I was kind of going that's, that's highly uh, unusual in relation to it um, okay. You know, it's another entry in the annals of Andy Reid to the spare when it comes to playoffs. I'm surprised they're moving on with him, to be honest. He has done a very good job there, but like, there's just too many. Well, they, they made the playoffs four out of the last five, out of his five seasons. The defeats in the playoffs are just so bad. 18-16 to the Steelers, getting blown out when they went to Gillette. It's constant. Uh, the loss to the Colts. Coach. As well, the, yeah. the amazing they were, comeback. They were, they were up by but three he, or four scores. His, his, his regular season record isn't that bad. It's 53-27. No, no, but I mean, but Andy Reid Andy Reid yeah. is the first coach in history to blow two 15-plus points, two 18-plus points leads yeah. in the playoffs. It does lead us, and we'll talk about the future games, but obviously you've got the Tennessee Titans now coming off an 18-point uh, comeback win. The New England Patriots coming off a 25-point comeback win their last postseason game. So that game, when we come to talk about it, will be very interesting. I have to... Flag, however, that if we're talking about Malarkey, he is actually one of the worst head coaches in terms of overall record to ever win a playoff game. And is we, we it, can't get too carried away with the Titans because we have to remember this is the same team that lost to both the Giants and the Jets this year. Is he secure now? Because before the game was reported that if they lost, he was gone. If they lose the next game, is he gone? Or, or has this secured his job for one more year? I I think he's still in trouble. I, I think with the drama of how it happened, he's definitely yeah. got a better chance of staying on for another year and certainly the owner didn't seem uh, <laughs> in the mood to fire him straight away. Uh, but if they go, won't go to the Pats and get absolutely uh, obliterated, yeah, then they'll move on from him. I, I don't think it's, it's over there. Yeah, no, true, true. Um, Marcus Mariota, we'll come to him in, in due course. Great uh, to see him, obviously, uh, 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 come out with such a performance and really uh, great. The block, I just want to kind of lord because it's rare. I mean, we were on a WhatsApp group and I think I was exploding on the WhatsApp group about the block more so than the laser to Decker, which was a great throw, and more so than the uh, athleticism in the rest of the game. But that block to release Henry, that's a quarterback pulling his body on the line. Everybody went to congratulate him rather than Henry yeah. for the run. It was quite amusing. Certainly pulling his weight within the team. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, like he stepped up and, you know, 18 points down, he stepped up, he had a great second half. And it's the Mariota that we we had expected this season. You know, he hasn't fully delivered and it's somewhat of a disappointing season. But look, they've won. As you said, they're going on to the Patriots now. Um, Two games away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, and that's probably why Mike Bernanke should really keep his job. But I'd imagine there's a lot of Titans fans out there that see the bigger picture and realise he's probably not long-term the right man for the job. But he certainly came out with a, 
a very damning press conference in terms of slating the front office for not backing him before the game and how his family are very upset by what's going on. But Which might not do him any favours. Possibly not, but he's making the point. Not only was this a weird game for certain plays and certain uh, stats, uh, it was the first game since Manning versus Grossman in the Super Bowl 40 that you had the highest par- uh, passer with the highest passing rating going against the quarterback with the lowest passer rating for the season in a playoff game. Obviously, Alex Smith had the highest passer rating. Marcus Mariota had the lowest. In the game, Smith, again, had a higher passer rating than Mariota. What does that prove? There are lies, damn lies, and statistics. And they don't tell the whole picture. Let's move on. Drama in that game. The next game we're going to talk about certainly didn't have much drama. Um, Do you know, I'm struggling to find nice things to say about the Jags versus the Bills. We're dealing with a game here that ended up 10-3 to the Jaguars. Uh, the two teams combined had a 28-year combined wait to make it back to the playoffs. And it was like the game had gone back 28 years to some kind of blood and (coughs) thunder running game uh, aspect. I don't mind great, dominating, swarming defense. But this wasn't about two great defenses. This was more about complete offensive ineptitude. Well, when you're trying to sell the sport of American football to fans in Ireland and uh, you have a kind of a mixed audience who are going to take it or leave it, Anybody who watched that particular game last weekend certainly will be leaving it. You know, they should have really switched on at 9.40 and watched the Panthers and the Saints rather than that game. It was... It was like a London game. It was... <laughs> look, it, it's the, it's it's with the Jags. The Jags like it that way. You know, defensively, they know they can match up against most teams in the league. Blake Bortles, as you said, we touched on it in kind of offline conversations. He ran 88 yards for, or 89 yards. 89 yards through for 87. Yeah, I, jo- I saw a joke uh, on Twitter about Bobby Douglas a long time ago. He's a quarterback for the Bears who never really threw much. He just ran, but he was so good at running. They just left him a quarterback and it was continuously a wild card offense. It might as well have been that last weekend because he couldn't throw. He won touchdown in the game, which he managed to get a pass into a tight end. Again, probably took them by surprise because they went three players for Frenet, went for it on fourth down. And, and they uh, play actions and play actions. The Bills again and, and Bills and offense they weren't really any good either, you know. So I don't know what it was the case of a bad offense against a really good defense. It's hard to tell. We'll probably have a better indication this weekend when the Jags go to the Steelers. You know, Sean McCoy couldn't that that was the big loss for the Bills. He couldn't cut. If you watch him again closely, every time he was running with the ball, you knew he wasn't cutting right. He just couldn't. His right ankle was pretty much goose for that game. Um, I think one of the big things was the third down efficiency for both teams. It was just awful. There's no third downs. I think it was 7 out of 18 here is what they're saying for the Bills and 2 out of 12 for the Jags. Like That just shows the sort of game you're watching. The Jags were constantly in third and long. Um, uh, they, they weren't getting it done on, on second down, uh, first down in relation to it. Uh, so every time they were in third down territory, it was punts. I mean, they don't think either team crossed midfield until halfway through the second quarter. You know, Jim Nance and Tony Romo yeah. on the call were kind of, yeah, it's a it's a field possession game, a field position game type of thing. The, the punters had great games. Yeah. Both punters were well on the on course and great directional punting. But when you're talking about approval and e- excitement in relation to that, as Brian says, it's not the greatest advertisement for NFL I, for I a wider market. I didn't feel shortchanged or disappointed after I watched the game because it was, having watched the NFL all season long and watched the Jags all season long. We knew what we were going to get. We knew what we were going to get. So either you, th- you, like, either you love it or you hate it and... You know, it was look. It was it was for a wild card game. It wasn't so wild. Well, the, the big thing for me was that catch as well. Um, for the uh, it was the Jag. Sorry, the Bills. 
as in it was not a catch based on the rules for the you know the one I called I said in our text group and again it was he got Jane called Jalen Ramsey's interception that was Jalen Ramsey's interception for the Jags see I disagree with you I still so think that was a valid interception based on, based on these new sorry nobody can tell you what a catch is these days because but based on it the ball hit the ground before he had a fully secured you know how that would have been reversed if um, you were playing the Pats I, mean, I knew he was going to say something like that I knew he was going to say something like that but but, <laughs> but it's very true as in like the fact is the ball hit the ground before they had a fully secured I, I think all and in my eyes that's under the new rules that's not a catch I, I th- but then uh, other the days way it I, is a catch no no the way I looked at it on the replay was he did have it sufficiently secured your ball can touch the ground provided it doesn't change position or move in your arms and the whole rule, and this is one of the controversial things about the catch rule and the overturning of replays, etc. And even as a Pats fan, I would agree that the Bills were stiffed on the decision earlier in the season, is the replay review and the replay overturning should be uh, conclusive. You know, clear and obvious, I think, is the text in the rule book uh, in relation to it. And the problem is that they don't adhere to that standard. And our Riveron seems to be applying different standards to what Mike Pereira and... Um, Oh, what's his name? Blandino. Blandino. Dean Blandino applied previously, and that's the big controversy. But look, at the end of the day, that wasn't going to change things. Nathan Peterman does like to throw final interceptions to close out a game, so that's what he did. When like he was on a hide, they're not coming in at that stage of the game, anyway. I yeah. wouldn't be reading too much into his performance. In fairness, I haven't heard, I haven't followed the, the Buffalo news about uh, Tyrod Taylor's recovery afterwards because he came out with a, an awful concussion and hit yeah. at the end there. So you know, wishing him well, wishing t- Travis Kelsey well. Uh, in, in respect of uh, recovery as well. Moving to the NFC games, which were a little bit more entertaining. The Falcons going to the Rams. Now, I'm going to call, I had the Falcons on this. I was high on them going forward. The way I looked at this, the, the Rams were a little bit like Paw Patrol. They were enthusiastic and little yapping puppies. The Falcons were a bit more robo-dog. Uh, it was efficient. It was consistent. They did what they had to do. And it was draw out the game keep control of the ball. Time of possession, I think, was nearly 40 minutes to 20. Um, yes, Pharaoh Cooper dropping two punts or punt and a kick return for the, the Rams, depriving them of two possessions, didn't help matters. Um, Jared Goff wasn't terrible. I mean, I think if you're a Rams fan, you look at this and say, Sean McVay didn't lose the plot. Jared Goff didn't lose the plot. Todd Gurley got a bit bottled up, but was still trying. It wasn't the end of the world, it just, it just, just didn't it have f- enough. It felt to me like you see it year in year where teams who have, haven't been enjoying the best of spells in the NFL for so long uh, have a great season but once they get to the playoffs the enormity of having a playoff game gets them immediately I mean that punt, that punter for example I believe he only dro- no, he only it. turned over once in oh. 77 touches during the rest of the season and within the first half he had four was it? he had no he had two he had two, two, two losses yeah yeah so obviously the, the sense sorry he had another fumble out of bounds yeah. you're absolutely right sorry. so the sense of occasion that got to him Goff you know he didn't Goff was okay Goff didn't but Blow it's okay. Up. It's playoffs. You can't be okay. Like you see, for example, I know we're going to move on. The Drew Brees raised his game. Jared Goff didn't. I agree. Yeah. I and agree. Matt Ryan to a certain extent raised his game because Matt Ryan got hit with some, you know, you know, only you know late shots and stuff. But he stood up. He took them. He showed the experience. I've been here before. I could take it and move the team on. 14, 15 hits. I think he took in the game, and he still played hard. Michael Brock has been lost by the Rams halfway through. Opened up the run game for the Falcons, but they were efficient. They were clinical. They've been here. They've done it. That's why I was on. There was a very good point made on the Showtime NFL on CBS during the week around the fact that the Rams, you know, it's a home game, but it's not really a home game because most of these tickets are on general sale, and there was a big contingent of Falcons fans at the game, which takes away from the whole enormity of going into it. You know, a team home home playoff environment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was just, um, I think we spoke about it beforehand, could the Falcons out-scheme the Rams? And I think that's what it kind of came down to. I think um, Dan Quinn came in with a game plan that really worked. Um, stifled Goff, and like you say, Goff couldn't, he's been brilliant all year. He just couldn't take that step up it's to, to the playoff standard was the big thing for this I, game. I, I think we're being a bit harsh on Goff. I think Goff did fine. Mm. I think he's proved he wasn't overawed by the big occasion. I remember Brian saying, look, a team getting an extreme example. Tennessee Titans a few years ago, 14-2, and two, home uh, game in the divisional round, imploded. Cowboys have done it before, getting the first round, but imploded. Um, I, I don't think Goff imploded, which is a great sign. But due credit, every time he did make a good play or release the running back in the right position or get the right throw... The form tackling of the Falcons, Brian Paul, Deion Jones. I mean, there was no yard, there was no yak, there was no yards after catch. They were completely stopping yeah. people dead. And in the second complete performance. And in the second shift of Falcons, he didn't play in the Super Bowl last year because he was out injured. Uh, Alfred, Robert Alford. He, he, like, he's really had a great season. And even people like I've read reports saying as long as he stays fit, he could shut down any particular wide receiver coming from the AFC side, even Antonio Brown in the Super Bowl. You know, but he would be put on ground because another team. But they felt like defensively, it's the Falcons' defense that could that know, could be carrying them. Yeah. Um, switching to the next game on the wild card, probably the game of the weekend. Unfortunately, it was on. You know, well, it was the late-ish. last game, late-ish. Um, the um, the when when even up to that, I was watching two games. The night before. I, I was it, must admit, I stayed up late. too late on the Saturday night, so I couldn't make it to the end. But I watched it Sunday, um, Monday morning for work. Then um, New Orleans Saints were at home to the Carolina Panthers. Game of the weekend. We're talking about defense and the quality of defense and everything. We were lauding last week the quality of the Saints defense during the year, their strong running game. When it matters, however, it is important to have a Hall of Famer in your corner. And Drew Brees was called upon, and Drew Brees, by God, delivered. 370-odd yards, three touchdowns, and it wasn't just the numbers. The seam throws, the quality of throws. He has Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas deserves an equal amount of credit, but it was great to see, and it was great to him to pull out yet another classic entry in his Hall of Fame career. Yeah, the big one for me was just the numbers Breeze was throwing up, an average of 11.4 yards, which was just huge. But I think it was the Michael Thomas one. He's just, he, he was on fire in the receiving side of things, catching some really, really good balls. I'm going to remind you pre-season when people were saying, well, but what about Saints using Brandon, losing Brandon Cooks? And I said, it's mm-hmm. not a problem because they have Michael Thomas. Yeah. I just, last weekend when we discussed the game, as you said, Mark, we discussed the whole factor around the running game this season being the combined trip, Kamara and Ingram. 22... Handoffs to the two, yeah. and uh, only 40, only something in the region, 40. 45 40, yards, yeah. 45 yards, and then defensively, the turnover battle was won by the Panthers. So if you had a set to me last weekend, they'd only run for, for, rush for 45. Panthers defense would turn the ball over more than the Saints. What's the backup plan here? You go to the, the best quarterbacks in the league, who doesn't, to me doesn't get enough credit. When we talk about Brady, Manning, Rogers, Big Ben. Sim- oh, I, I, I think he's... I don't, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. 72% season passing completion. He was only on the field for 22 minutes of the game. The Panthers had the ball pretty much predominantly for the vast majority of the game. They went up and down the field, but of course there was three right stops in the red zone by the, the Saints' defence. Drew Brees, 22 minutes on the field, and he did so much damage I, uh, those 22 the, thing, the key is, as well, you mentioned his completion percentage. This was a new single-season record. The damage he does as he, during the regular season, but the damage he does with his completion percentage re- record as opposed to a Sam Bradford completion percentage, yeah. their seam throws, their 20 yards, their 18-yard yeah. hitches, their touchdowns, they're progressing the ball. He doesn't throw three yards short of a first down marker. But you also want the big thing is your red zone efficiency. Yeah. And in the red zone, three times, 
three scores. As in that that's what you want from your team and that, that all stems from your quarterback compared to Carolina when they're in the red zone four times and only came out of a score the once. In that first quarter, the first quarter played out and it was no score. It was a bunch of touchdowns towards the back end of it. But the Panthers, went, the Panthers went 89 yards, took seven and a half minutes off the clock. They ended up missing the chip shot field goal. And on the second play After there, a drop on third down as well, which was down, a beautiful throw by Newton. By, uh, yeah, to, I think it was the Calais, and he dropped the yeah. ball in the end zone. But it was a perfect throw by Cam. The second play thereafter, uh, 79-yard touchdown to Ginn Jr. And Cam must be thinking, what the hell? I've gone 79 yards on a perfect drive. I throw the right spiral, the right pass into the end zone. doesn't get caught. And then two, two seconds plays later, Breeze is thrown for 80 yards. It's a 10-point swing. It is a 10-point swing because of that missed field goal. I mean, that chip shot, 25-yarder. Yeah. If that had been got, and Gano almost afterwards, how did I do that? The last gasp drive by the Panthers would only have needed a field goal to win the game yeah, and I, as I said I kind of had to pause and record and watch it in the morning I, I, I broke it when the uh, the Saints were 12 points up and said oh, you know basically done I'll watch the rest in the morning though and Newton and the Panthers deserve credit they fought back since the game Mike Shuler however and their quarterbacks coach have both been fired so Riverboat Ron is clearing house a little bit there um, I, I'd imagine that would happen they yeah, I, I think it's a bit tough on them as well, though, uh, given that they, they it wasn't really the offense that lost them uh, this particular game. But I do also want to dwell on the story that's emerging from the matter and was kind of clear on the night as well. Concussion policy. Are they actually... We're talking about the catch rule and are they going to have consistency. Are they actually going to ever enforce this when it involves a quarterback? Because Cam Newton should not have been on that field, at least for a proper assessment. So there's a couple of things. One, he... Yeah, you're right. The rule is if you, if you show wobble or you, you sit down on the field, it's an automatic concussion situation. He has to go to the dressing room. There's an argument that he dropped because he wanted to give Derek Anderson more time to get himself ready to come on. And then he turned around and Ron uh, Riviera said the same thing in the press conference. that He got poked in the eye. And that's why he kept blinking. It was the fact that his eye was sore. But he had one of these shields on his face. Oh, sorry, on his, on his, on yes. his uh, helmet. So magical poking in the eye when you've got a shield to deflect. He went off. He went into this new blue... Uh, Medical tent, but that's he not w- what the rule requires. I agree. And and he was only in it for a minute. He was in a so he wasn't in for so long that the fact that he couldn't even pick it up on the cameras, he was back on the sideline. Yeah, I, I, I just look. It doesn't I don't matter think it's that over. it's I think no, it. but it doesn't matter the, whether it's Cam and uh, Russell Wilson. Three hundred, three hundred, three hundred K fine for the Seahawks earlier in the season because of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, stay consistent. Find the Panthers. Let's apply the rule in relation to it. I, I'm. I think. Um, Julian Edelman, a few years ago with the Super Bowl, he should have been taken off for a while as well because he was clearly concussed. Let's apply it consistently if that's the rule. It tends to happen during the season, but when you get to the playoffs in the enormous situation, players will not back off and not go off. Like That's literally coming towards the end of the game. But the whole point is it's out of the players' hands and it should be out of the players' hands. I, 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 I don't d- believe it was a concussion. Like He came back and he threw that touchdown to McCaffrey. It wasn't a concussion. I understand the rules and he has to go in and get assessed, but it really, realistically, it wasn't a concussion. Cam does what Cam's going to do, I suppose. Yeah. I thought Cam had a reasonably good game, in fairness to me. He stepped up and just other players didn't make catches. Like even the drive at the end, as you touched on, there was a pass to Funches where if he catches it, he's going to score a touchdown. It's a bad drop. Uh, there were a few bad drops, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the first thing that Romeo Vieira has to do in this offseason is get him a bit of help because he doesn't have the wide receivers there. Well, they let Benjamin go to the Bills. I know, I know. You know. Look, that's the, the wild card games, guys. Um, interesting in one respect. Now let's turn to a bit of news in relation to the coaching scene. So a couple of appointments. We touched on one already. Matt Nagy, offensive corner of the Ch- uh, Kansas City Chiefs, has now gone to Chicago. I think you, if you're a Chicago fan, you're a bit underwhelmed after that playoff game. 
But the blockbuster, the box office news, and we were already preempting it last week, John Gruden is going to the Los Angeles Raiders. I'm getting ahead of myself here. So the, the Oakland Raiders, who are... Yeah, sorry, the Oakland Raiders who are going to be the Las Vegas Raiders, I want to say. It is for the high rollers. It is for entertainment. It is for box office, especially when you consider he has a 100 million 10-year agreement. Yeah. His press conference was... I watched it this morning. I sent it on to all of you, and it was the cut-down version of everything he said without that throughout that conference. And you can get bitten by the passion that he shows, but I suppose the question is he hasn't coached since 2007. Approximately, he says he's evolved as a coach. He's he's not the same as he was back then. Because I suppose the big worry that people is everyone everyone is saying is he'll wear down all the players. That that I suppose intensity that he brings could, might not last the full duration of this tenure. Um, but it was an interesting press conference. Uh, a lot of the old um, players that he uh, coached were there. Charles Woodson was in the back. Asked a few questions. Asked him if he had no trade clothes. Yeah, yes. I thought that was a very, very good one. Um, and then also the comment about, you know, what's the policy in terms of the player development and player recruitment. And pretty much kind of came out and said with him and McKenzie there, it's a 50-50 partnership on how that's going to work. He is made what very, he he's made it very clear he'd be calling the players as well. Yeah, he's sorry, he, he, he'd be calling <laughs> so the players. Uh, but he's brought in Greg Olson from the LA Rams, uh, who's obviously had a, a really good year this year with um, Sean McVay and uh, Jared Goff. And then he's brought in the Dallas Cowboys um, special teams coordinator, um, whose second name escapes me. But oh, yeah, Patri- yeah. Is it? I'm yeah. not too sure. Anyway. I was going to say Shiblitsky, but I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's, a, it's a strange sounding name. But again, he's bringing in caliber of coaches that he feels that he's worked with over the years that will, I think, help him evolve as a coach and maybe kind of bring a better dynamic to what the modern NFL team needs. I did see a report as well with news coming from Green Bay of their appointment of their GM, which isn't Elliot Wolf, which surprised me. That yeah, there are really rumours that Elliot Wolf may be going... Oh, it's confirmed. Is it confirmed? He's the assistant general manager to John Dorsey at the Browns. It was confirmed this afternoon. Right, oh, wow. okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that is that is That's news. That's a big loss for the Packers, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. Packers have gone the, the wrong... And interestingly enough, we, we know a Packers fan, we touched on, on, on a few messages. That the there are more than one. They're all... Well, this one in particular, he was taken back for the fact they're all going to report directly to uh, Murphy, is it? The owner? Yes, where, yeah, where, yeah. You know, even the, well. peop- even the people who should report into the general manager will report directly to the owner. Yeah. It's a strange setup. Uh, not technically ownership, obviously, because of yeah, the public ownership with uh, Green Bay Packers. The, but yes, yeah, the yeah. main man. Yeah. The main man, yeah. That move with the Browns very interesting because now after the Chiefs um, game, there's rumours that Alex Smith will be trade, traded to the Browns and he'd be the best quarterback they've had in many a year. Yeah, and look, free agency doesn't start in March, but if he does go to the Browns, it open, I wonder where they see this whole draft selection with number one. They might go with Barkley, the uh, running back. But again... By the, by the draft time, you'll know because yeah. they won't mess around if they're going to trade for him. They'll they they should not anyway. I don't agree. Um, I don't agree. I do, I do think you're right. I think Smith will go now. And I think uh, your love child, Mahomes, will be the quarterback next season. So. Yeah, more than <laughs> <your> love child. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, where, where he ends up, um, yeah. who knows? So we still have a few open jobs. The Giants job, Colts job, Lions job, yeah. all have to be filled still. Do we want some breaking, uh, breaking news? Even well, you, you think that there is news. There are rumours coming out of New York that they have decided upon a head coach? Yeah, uh, according to the reports coming out, of good sources you know, in terms of a certain... Uh, Brian has his sources? No, good people who tend to always get the information correct. And yeah. they're, they're reporting this afternoon that the Giants have decided to go with Matt Patricia from the from the Patriots. I uh, thought it would have been McDaniels, but they're going down the, uh, was it the Astro Rocket? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a rocket scientist, yeah, a rocket engineer. Which, look, I am happy with because yesterday I felt we were going to take Wilkes from the Panthers. And I, I, uh, I thought you were very close because there were serious uh, rumours going around about Saban uh, actually willing to take Oh, no way. Because <laughs> no apparently the only job that he would come out of college football for would be the Giants Bruce, Bruce job. Bruce Arias said it yesterday on a, on a uh, show in the States that he it's the job he wants, <laughs> but... Yeah. He has a 26 million buyout clause for, to get him out of Alabama. But he, Arianne's he, also he, apparently came out and said, no, I was just messing as well. So, But like, he's also got, he's also one title away from being the greatest yeah. college coach of all time. So He's already uh, won. Congratulations to Alabama, obviously, winning yeah. on the weekend there in an all-SEC can, can you pronounce battle. the quarterback that came on and played? On? Tua Tupelosi. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Well yeah, done. Yeah. So two or two Pelosi came on there. Um, he has won more titles. Oh, sorry, he's won the same amount now as Ray Bryant, another legend in Alabama, but in 13 years quicker. So yeah. he's already. Uh, do you, you do have to stress, though, that Giants information isn't confirmed. That's oh, no, no, of course it's not uh, in relation to it. But I don't see Statement ever come yeah. back to the NFL. Let's remember, he presided over the 1 and 15 Miami Dolphins. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't like it. He likes well, the edge he gets. Here, here, here's another bit for you as well Gus Bradley, the Chargers, reportedly apparently a three year extension for Gus Bradley um, at the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Offensive coordinator. Off- yeah, offensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah. So um, apparently, uh, sorry, defensive coordinator. Sorry, yeah. Um, so apparently, yeah, he signed a three-year extension, which basically means he isn't planning on taking a head coaching job anytime soon. Yeah, but uh, you know, if I'd imagine that's more of we'll lock him down and have him as defensive coordinator, and there's probably some stipulation in the contract that if a head coaching opportunity comes along, he could probably apply for it. It's also a good backup if uh, the very young um, <laughs> coach falls off the edge there in relation to it, and uh, you've Dar- got a kind of Dar- ex-head coach in, in, in being. Yeah, and Daryl uh, Beryl, is it? Bevel. Uh, Bevel in yeah. Seattle got the, got the bullet this morning as well. Uh, well, I mean, there are s- uh, that's true, and we should have alluded to that because there are Seattle fans everywhere who are kind of delighted with that yeah. and yeah. think he should have got the bullet after Super Bowl 49 uh, to be honest can you pronounce the new Chiefs offensive coordinator no yeah I'm, I'm looking I'm looking at it here and Eric we're going to leave it at Eric no, Eric no 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 let's go for it Gordo. let's go give it a go give it a go Bienemy Bienemy is it Bielma is that how you pronounce it? I have no idea oh. but it sounded good didn't it yeah. right let's move away from the coaches let's talk about football again guys divisional round okay the best of the best come back in the teams with their buys have the, had their week off, hopefully got healthy, particularly in the case of the Steelers with Antonio Brown. The Bats had a few people injured. And indeed, the Eagles uh, and um, Vikings obviously had a chance to get a lot healthier. Breaking down every particular game uh, that we're going to go through here uh, in relation to it, let's start in the order they're going to come up at the weekend, beginning with the Falcons going away to the Eagles. And we are in unprecedented territory here, ladies and gents. We are dealing with a sixth seed getting points uh, going away from home. It's a sixth seed who are a dome team going away to uh, an outdoor team. Uh, a, a number one outdoor team, I should emphasize. This is the first time in NFL history it's happened, but it is the Nick Foles factor. Without a doubt, um, he hasn't played well towards the back end of the season after coming in, play some wins when he did his ACL. They won some games, but they were very underwhelming in terms of to be a poor Raiders team. Didn't do anything against a Cowboys team. And on that basis, a lot of people are thinking that because the Falcons have put a run together, the Falcons and obviously the Super Bowl experience of going there last year, so they've been there, done that in terms of getting through through the divisional rounds and the championship rounds. They've gone with that handicap, which is a line of two and a half with the Falcons. I'm still not convinced by the Falcons. I know we're saying defensively you look very strong, and but I think uh, Eagles' defense matches up well against the Falcons' offense. And Nick Foles... Yeah, he hasn't played well, but we've had a conversation recently where if you went through the backups in the league, 
who would be deemed to be one of the better ones. I believe Fowles is one of the better ones. They've had two weeks off. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But I think the big question that everyone's asking Doug Marone is, is he willing to change his game plan to suit Nick Foles? And the, the, everyone is saying he's planning on sticking to what he's done all year. And my kind of concern is, can Nick Foles do that for, for the for the playoffs? I'm not, I'm not sure. They'll probably be more heavily reliant on their own game. Doug Peterson. Sorry, Doug yeah, Peterson. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was Why, is Doug Why were they asking Doug Marone about the Eagles yeah, game? Sorry, Doug, Doug, Doug Marone's name just came into my head there. I'm not they sure ha- why They that. have some weapons on, on running back. I mean, they brought in Jay, uh, Joy. They have uh, Blunt, who has a lot of experience. And they have a young uh, rookie. Smallwood. Smallwood. Uh, if they ran the ball 40, 50 times, I think that might be the approach at the lighter, faster Atlanta Falcons defense. Yeah. But the Falcons, for me, have the talent. I agree the Eagles' front seven is scary. And that's where their strength is. But the secondary, can they handle Julio Jones? There wouldn't have been an adverse, adverse weather uh, impact last weekend going to LA. The weather would have been fine. We don't know what the weather's going to be like in Philadelphia this weekend. You touched on the fact that they're a dome team. Yes. They didn't have a fantastic away record this season. The Falcons lost quite a lot of away games. Yeah, I know everybody's high in the Falcons. I'm not. And I don't want to see the Eagles win, obviously, because I'm a Giants <laughs> fan. But... Um, I probably won't even have a bet on this game because I just think it's too tight to call. But um, but if you're pushed? I'm picking the Eagles to win the game. Cool, though. Yeah, I think it all comes down to Nick Foles. Um, I've been going for the Eagles all year. I hope they win this game, but literally it will come down to how Nick Foles performs. I called it last week. I said I think the Falcons are going to beat the Rams and I think they'll go to Philadelphia and beat Philadelphia. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, that's going to bite me in the one game we're going to come up because I've already pre-predicted some of these. The next game... Look, the Tennessee Titans at the New England Patriots. Um, well, if you don't win this one, you might as well just go home. You, like, in, like you don't want to be upset and these Titan up fans. They're very scary and very hostile. I've heard. We've uh, got, we've uh, got it, we've, Brian, as, as Brian is our chief social media operator here for the oh, uh, Irish NFL podcast. Jay, Jay, Jay Dell's in and gives us a dig. Well, Brian, Brian just spends his time upsetting Packers fans and yeah, Titans fans. So, so apparently now Brian, <laughs> Brian, Brian and a few Titans fans aren't the best of buddies no, at the moment. No, I wouldn't say that at all. Fair from it. We've at, look, we've put an invite out there to a Titans fan. If they win this weekend, we'll give them a few minutes on the pod. And they better not win. Um, the Patriots are in six AFC Championship games in a row, which is already an NFL record. Can they make it to seventh? Obviously, they're a 13.5-point favourites. It's the biggest favouritism since the Patriots blew a chance against the, the Jets in 2011 when they lost in the divisional playoff. I think they were 12-point favourites in that particular game. Um, the Titans actually, guys, have the right game to challenge the Pats. The Pats' run defence is 30th in DVOA. I they th- can run, yeah. run, run. They can play action. It's potentially a weak run defense and by doing that you'll keep the ball away from Brady so are it's you, not beyond the realms of possibility no I yeah so this is all we're hearing all week long is give it to Henry give it to Henry run 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 play Patri- action play, play action. action Patriots won't be able to handle if you seriously think Belichick isn't going to be able to scheme for that when you know that is the only strength of your opposition I, I would be very very surprised well, I, I, I think I, people are bigging up way more than he's going to make Mariota beat them I, yeah. I also think you're doing a bit of a disservice to the to the Titans' defense, I, I know we touched on you know in a separate conversation uh, last weekend's not being great on running the first half, but they got they got it back. Um, they could get the Brady, you know. Oh, they could, they could, and and they they had a good defense. I mean, they they blanked Kansas City in the second half. Well, over about the play calling, they still locked it down and they played really good, tight, competitive. They had the passion, they had the fire, and they played a good game. The one thing I keep coming back to, actually, I boil it down down to the tight ends. I can see. Patrick Chung being able to cover Delaney Walker, who's the biggest outlet, biggest receiver for Marcus Mariota in the whole season. 
I'm hoping Corey Davis doesn't decide this is the week to turn up. And show uh, show and its potential. Still hasn't scored a touchdown as a professional, including, we talked about Mariota's great throw earlier on, including an awful miss on Corey Davis to play before that. But I can't see on the Titans who can cover Gronk. And if they play more man defense that Dick LeBeau has introduced, bear in mind Belichick and Brady know his defensive schemes inside and out, yeah. and they play more man, well, who's going to cover Gronk? And they can't answer that question. They don't have the talent. I don't believe they have the talent to do that. And if they play zone, Brady will say thank you very much. Yeah, I'm just. I, I, I'll, I'm be on the sho- I'll be shocked if this is a very close game. Pat's all the way. Brian? Pages will win. But they won't cover. I'm not sure. I probably will have a bet in this one, and I probably will probably bring it down slightly to around 11 and a half. Okay. Next game uh, coming on Sunday at the 6 p.m. Uh, the Jags at the Steelers. Look, uh, the Steelers get to moan again. Will I am or moan that uh, the, the winner of the Titans and Patriots have an extra day to prepare? Um, I've already put my cards on the table on this. I said last week the Jags will beat the Bills and then they'll go into Pittsburgh and they beat the Steelers. After the performance last week, I'm definitely not sure, but I'll stand by what I said. They won't intercept Big Ben five times again, but I say Antonio Brown doesn't come back to full health. The Jags' defense does enough and Leonard Fournette does enough. Yeah, well, they're saying Pittsburgh, um, they're saying Antonio Brown is out, is what it's current, that's his current status no, on the no, injury he's, report. He's gonna play. He's gonna oh, play. I think he's going to play. Definitely. Yeah, be. well, they, they said he participated fully in Monday's session, but every other session, everywhere else has him down, the status is out, so that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, the, the, it, that'll change as the week goes on. Yeah, the only, the, only, the only concern I would have for the Steelers is just the fact that they've had this layoff. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it really benefits the Steelers. I think they're very much a team that like to roll on week on week and keep that momentum going. Um, but yeah, I think I would hope that the Steelers pull through this one. Um, yeah, I can't see the Jags like Blake Bortles. If you get to Blake Bortles a couple of times, what do you, hang on, you giving me stick. If the Patriots lose this, they might as well go home. If the Steelers lose at yeah. home to Blake Bortles, jog on and go home for going yeah, forward. I'm, I'm just I, Steelers with a two week break has always concerned me a little bit. So I just, three weeks really because yeah. so many of their Pro Bowlers didn't play in Week 17. Yeah, you know Bell and Roethlisberger and Pouncey and all rested. Brian. Uh, yeah, okay, look, the Jags defensively are very good, but offensively, as we touched on, <laughs> they're just terrible. And yeah. they won, they, they went in there week nine, and, or sorry, week five and won 39, but realistically, can they do that again? I'd imagine the Jags will keep the Steelers down to a minimum of 21 points. And But do I see the Jags putting up 21 points? Probably not, because that game in which they could put 30 points up, two of those were pick six. They were? So, so I don't believe the Jags have enough offensively to compete with the Steelers. I would... Fancy the Steelers to cover the seven and a half. I don't believe that'll be seven and a half by the weekend. I think that'll be down to about six and a half to seven. <coughs> yeah. And yeah. I think if then you're asking for a one touchdown win to win a bet. Yeah. No, I think the Steelers. I think I, some smart things. This is one where we need. To, it's a guarantee for Steelers, but the spreads say it differently. We're at seven and a half here Bo- for the Steelers. And Bookies are nervous by the seven. And yeah, half. but it's 13, 13 for the Pats game, so you can't com- compare them like for like here. So Steelers I d- are worried about Blake Bortles. Yeah, worried about Blake Bortles <laughs> and his running. Um, but no, like Fournette has a good game as well. That's that's a big um, a big one for the Jags. But no, I think it just comes down to the Jags defense and whether or not we can get the scores up there. Yeah. And if we score enough, like you say, the Jags aren't going to outscore you. So again, you, but I think it is you need about a twenty-one point kind of well, offense. As Brian says, week five. They lost 39 to the Jags. First time Roethlisberger has ever thrown, f- thrown for five interceptions. First time he's ever thrown for two pick sixes. If you count the two pick sixes and the 90-yard run that Fournette did at the end of the day, that was, that's that was, 21 that gar- points. That was garbage time. Yeah, it was garbage time. So that's nine all in relation yeah. to it. And that's the best possible day. 
Roethlisberger has gone on record saying, I'm glad I got the Jags. I wanted the Jags. I want to make up, to for, make up for it in relation to it. And Jalen Ramsey, I saw recently just said, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah, so he, we, he, he needs to stop talking around it. He right? does need to stop talking. Uh, Clay Campbell, uh, actually, if we're talking about players of the weekend, great performance. Oh, yeah, and gr- and really great good. interview after. I don't even yeah. saw the interview. It's no. a fantastic interview. He's always a great interview. He's the same guy I remember when AJ McCarron joined um, uh, the cart. Um, was it AJ, is AJ McCarron? Um, yeah, no. AJ McCarron. Where was he? Yeah, uh, yeah, no. you know. Um, sorry, anyway, I'm trying to remember. Catherine Webb is the, the wife of uh, the quarterback I thought it was AJ McCarron she was the one featured on the um, national championship game famously when Brett Musburger yeah. said oh she's a beautiful girl all the quarterbacks get the beautiful girls and launched a modelling career in relation to it Clay Campbell had started off by going yeah 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 come to Arizona, come to Arizona baby come over here in relation to it and there was a bit of a Twitter war when he eventually I don't, were on I, the same team at one I point I don't think it's McCarron because McCarron is the Cincinnati Bengals no he's qu- Cincinnati Bengals backup but it's definitely Catherine Webb anyway yeah. I remember the girl's name more than blo- blokes sorry <laughs> strange strange that no, no surprise there uh, but Calais Campbell was quite entertaining yeah. about it at the time and, and they, they said uh, it's all good. I think the quarterback at the time, if it was McGarren, was kind of like, well, I'm not going to argue with him. He's 320 pounds yeah. and six foot nine. I, I just hope we don't see another one of these six like, slumps on Sunday evening. Cause, like, I, I, it could easily be a bad game. It could easily be a complete blowout for the Steelers or the Jags muck it up and make it a very scrappy game, which yeah. they probably need Steelers to. Steelers last year in the playoffs, I know you're kind of concerned about the whole two-week factor and three weeks, whatever you, whatever you want to look at. They came in t- last year after two weeks and they blew it off and so... Yeah. Um, so speaking of prior, speaking of prior games, though, and speaking of blow, you know, kind of disappointing games. I think the week game of the week again, like last week, is going to be the last game of the season, uh, last game of the weekend. It's going to feature the Saints again. It's the Saints going to the Minnesota Vikings. These teams met in Week One. Um, the Vikings won, but you can't really use that as a, a precursor because a it was Week One, and b you're dealing with a team where Sam Bradford threw for 346 yards and Dalvin Cook ran for 127. Two very different teams. I actually would go as far as say this could be the Super Bowl decider. The team that wins this, I'd say, is the favourite for the Super Bowl. And I'm a Pats fan. I'm saying that these are the two class teams of the NFC and potentially the whole NFL. Well, if we're going on your ba- on your base that the sorry that the Falcons are going to win the other game, well, then basically the winner of this game plays at home in the championship game. Yeah, exactly. And the Saints have already beaten the Falcons at home, and nobody seems to think the Vikings can lose at home at all. You know, going forward. Seven and one at home in the season, aren't they? Yeah, they lost the, home, the Lions early in the season. They yeah. lost that game, so you can't really factor it in. Look, we we're very high in the Saints in terms of how they performed last weekend, particular Breeze. Um, everybody's raving about the Vikings defense, and everybody's raving about the Keenum having a great season. I still believe the Saints will put up a reasonably good score against um, the um, the Vikings. The Panthers did it. I'm not saying it's like for like, but the Panthers did it there recently against the Vikings. They to us, um, they found flaws and they put up thirty points at home, and. Um, the Saints, you know... The Saints have all the weapons. They've exactly. the Michael Thomas, they've Alvin Kamara, they've Mike, Mark Ingram, and they do have Drew Brees. Yeah. At the midpoint of the season, we did a season pre- uh, sorry, a Super Bowl preview, and I went for the Saints to play the Steelers. So on that basis, I have to stick with the Saints to win this game. And I really do hope they win, because I really love watching Drew Brees, and the longer Brees is in the playoffs, the better. It's very long event. Yeah. So I'm going to select the Saints, and I will take the three and a half points. Yeah, I'm definitely sorry. At the at the three and a half, I think that's a, a, a must for the New Orleans Saints. I I'm going with Breeze in this game. Um, but it was just interesting. I was kind of looking here at some of the stats between Breeze and Keenum. Uh, Breeze is 23 touchdowns this year. Keenum is 22. Breeze is eight interceptions. Keenum has seven. Uh, it's kind of a, it, it's it's just the offensive. There's it's a high scoring offense on both sides of the ball. Um, the over under as well for this game is 45 points, 
which I think is, uh, I think the bookies are expecting it to be a high-scoring game. Um, and I think Breeze is going to put up some serious numbers. This week. And I think, I agree with Brian, the longer Breeze is in the off-season, the better. Uh, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints and most definitely going to put money on it at plus three and a half. It's deemed to be deemed to be a shock. Like people are expecting the Vikings to win. It's yeah. tight in the in the oh, best. I think it's unknowable. I think it's a lot tighter than three and a half points. But if, if you look at it, if you if you change your, you give if you, a team three, yeah, change your look at just the win bet price. The Vikings are one to two on to win the match. You know, and you're getting you're getting five to three for the Saints. five to three, so six to four thereabouts to win the game. I mean, if you're going to take three and a half and you think they're going to win the game, you should be you should be taking the price on to win the match. But we won't. We'll be a bit more cautious and we'll take the three and a half in case the yeah. in case they lose by a field goal. But um, well, I, I'm probably not. I'm going to take the Saints and the Falcons straight up and put them in a double um, to to win because um, I just think I feel strongly it about makes those it, ones. it would make for a great NFC Championship game. The Saints at home to the Falcons I, again, and the, if you if you feel strongly, if you're a Falcons fan and you kind of well, we want redemption and we want revenge for the Super Bowl and we want to get back to the Super Bowl. It wouldn't be a fear factor for the Falcons. They play in the Superdome every year. So, I mean, it's a divisional game. Of course, they'd be underdogs going into the Saints, but I think they would almost prefer the Saints to the Vikings in that regard because they know it. And again, it would be a dome team going to a dome but then again, rather I, I, than going we're outdoor. Pre- we're preempting games next week that we just we don't know. I know, and I know. We got some wrong last weekend. So, but the Falcons offensively haven't done enough this season to go in. And play the Saints. We'll wait. We'll wait. We will wait. So, look, that's our breakdown for this particular week. Um, any other news or stories? Obviously, we talked about the coaches' games, guys. Um, yeah, the, there's a speculative uh, report going around around uh, the games that are going to be confirmed tomorrow that are being played in the UK mm. um, next season. Um, again, these are not confirmed, but um, if it is true, it, to me, it's the best lineup we've ever seen. So, five games being the Jags playing the Eagles. So you have. Two Carson, playoff teams. Got Carson Wentz, who would be great to look at. You've got the Rams against the Packers. You've got Rodgers against Goff. Uh, fantastic. Probably the next one isn't as good as the others. First trip for Packers it would be as yeah, well, if I yeah. remember correctly. So you yeah. contingent of Packers fan in Ireland and the UK. You've got the Seahawks against the Broncos. You know, Seahawks would have a good crowd. This is a really good one. Panthers against the Steelers. Steelers giving up a home game. And imagine some Rooney factor in that. They're going to come to the UK. Gordon's obviously booking his flights now for that one. And then the Raiders against the Chargers divisional game. You have Gruden coming with to the Gruden UK. coming to the UK and the entertainment factor. If they, if they are, if they are correct, if they are, if they are consistent, it would be absolutely the best set of games that we've ever had in London. It would be cracking to yeah. have them. And and Steelers giving up a home game is unique, mm-hmm. I think, in that regard. Funny you mentioned Rooney because one other thing we I meant to mention when we were talking about the Oakland Raiders was, of course, there was some question were they complying with the Rooney rule. And Mark Davis announced that, no, no, we did interview two minority candidates. I mean, interviewing them after you've uh, Pretty kind much of said doing, yeah. that we're going to do Gruden means they still haven't complied with the spirit of it. Yeah. But one of the candidates was the uh, USC offensive coordinator, a gentleman by the name of T. Martin. Tony Martin, do you want no. the horses in Ireland? No, T. Martin, T.E.E. Martin, better known as one of the Brady Six. Oh, really? Back in the day, yeah, he was one of the six quarterbacks taken before Brady. Well, I've just, I've just realised as well in this entire podcast uh, last week's and this, we've never spoken about the whole unrest happening in Gillette Stadium. But we won't. We'll, we'll save it. We'll save it for either the next episode or when Pat's get knocked out and Belichick is coaching elsewhere next season, um, and we can just talk about all of the. You'd have to have, with Mark here. You'd have to have a a bespoke ad hoc. 
podcast today. <laughs> yeah. Spend an hour on this. Anyways. I could take an hour on this, ripping every aspect to shreds. And, and, and Mark as a Patriots fan, but look, we we won't. Have Mark won't be objective and say there's a bit of truth in it. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it as it is. We'll leave it as uh, it no, is. No, 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 no. Actually, I'm going to correct you on that. I will acknowledge that Seth Wickersham, who released the article in the ESPN and everything, came out with two main thrusts, didn't he? He said, "Look, there's unrest between Brady and Belichick." Um, and second main thrust, he said, was, you know, the 18-year dynasty of the Pats is coming nearer to the end than its beginning. Mm. On the second one, I want to say, duh, really, that's the most insightful journalism I've ever seen in my life, that a 40-year-old quarterback, a 65-year-old head coach, and a 76-year-old owner might be closer to yeah. the end than the beginning. On the first bit, Brady and Belichick have always had tension to an extent. Yeah, well, They look- played a charity golf tournament 10 years ago, and... You know, yeah. Brady would say, oh, you always do this for the head coach. And he said, no, like this is the first time I've seen him out of football. I, 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 I think you're brushing over. I think there is serious discontent between Brady and Belichick. I think that whole uh, Guerrero, whoever your man is, the business partner issues. Alex Guerrero Alex is Guerrero. dealt with. And then I think the other thing is if you seriously think Belichick traded away Garoppolo for a second round pick after already getting rid of um, uh, Brissett, then you're mad. As in, there's no way he empties his quarterbacks if he's going to be there for the next few years. And, and he and didn't do it willingly. When has he ever openly come out and said that he's been helping his coordinators yeah. prepare for interviews for coaching roles? Interviews, sorry. Yeah. He doesn't. He, the, he, he, was, he was forced to cha- trade Garoppolo he and he gave it away. And then the rumor is he rang, he rang um, the new head coach for San Francisco 49ers and name is Kyle, Kyle, Le- Shannon. Kyle, Kyle Shannon, Shannon and said, would you be interested basically? And pretty much kind of said, here, just throw me out a second rounder. There you go. So one thing, and okay, we'll finish off the podcast dealing with this. One thing, he has always helped his offensive and defensive coordinators in history, including going back to Romeo Cornell and Bill O'Brien and everyone in the past, Charlie Vice, in terms of interview preparation, because he believes it's part of his mm. obligation in relation to it. The big problem with this is you're feeding the beast. Like this ESPN report and ESPN generally at the moment, but just this whole thing it's like bad entertainment journalism because what they do is take give me an entertainment couple like Angelina Jolie and Brad oh no they've broken up give me <laughs> give me give me someone yeah, who's going pretty confident there that was just that has just ruined any example no you no no, no. but I mean there. you pick you pick okay any female celebrity it was like Jennifer Aniston and everything and an entertainment journalist goes to Jennifer Aniston Jennifer are you pregnant and Aniston goes no and the article becomes Aniston denies pregnancy rumours. There wasn't a rumour. It was just the question that was asked in the first instance. Every other magazine oh, right. then so feels the need. No, no, but let me finish this point. Every other magazine then feels the need to say, why isn't Jen pregnant? Is there trouble in the relationship? I never is there thought, things? I never that thought, is what is happening in I relation to this piece. the podcast and Tom Brady and the page would be, would be referencing Jennifer Aniston. Aniston. <laughs> but but the point is, it so just keeps look, feeding the beast. Look, and they I think the Patriots have come out, Tom Brady, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick and denied the existence of the so thing. That is anything the less? truth. Anything less. Ignore the noise. Thank you for the sixth Super Bowl so ring and proving them all wrong. One more point. Um, one more point. What was it 53 man squad roster? 53 man, yeah? It is yeah, a 53 man roster. It's a great point made by uh, practice Chris squad. Carter on his show this week where he said Belichick used to have full ownership of the 53. He now only has ownership of 52 because one player feels he owns it's a bit like Elon Manning crying and getting reinstated as opening quarterback I will leave you with Hamlet to be or not to be that is the question whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing end them that is the question the Patriots decided not to take arms against the sea of troubles ignore the noise win the game I love it Hamlet quote at the ready
Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you again for this evening. This has been the Irish NFL podcast brought to you in association with the 42.ie. As always, Brian O'Leary, thank you for your participation and thank you for those kind comments about the Patriots. Stay classy, Mark. Stay classy. Gordon, who's also done the sound for us today. Thanks again, Gordo. Thank you, Mark. And from me, goodbye, everyone. (laughs) 